0: Welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, star seeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Aaron is a rising philosopher and spiritual teacher who left his foundation as a Christian worship leader to search for truth after he experienced his own spiritual awakening. The sign fitness model turned spiritual philosopher is making waves in the YouTube community with topics like astral projection, saving faith from fundamentalism, a course in miracles, and the law of one, just to name a few. And under just a year, his short time on YouTube is changing the game, some videos already reaching half a million views. He breaks down complex spiritual concepts and makes them accessible for the masses. Aaron's passion is to share the path of inner freedom and self-realization with the world, and he does so today via YouTube, social media, meditation classes, workshops, seminars, and podcasts. In teaching self-empowerment, Aaron's main areas of focus are understanding the ego, self-love, mastering your mind, forgiveness, and inner peace. This is a really cool episode, guys, and if you haven't already listened to our previous episode, episode 13, I would direct you to listen to that first. Or if you want, go ahead and jump into this one. It's a really good one. Please welcome Aaron to the show. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm so excited to bring you Aaron Abke, again, our resident <laughs> expert on the law of one. How's Thanks for going?
1: having me, Aaliyah. Glad to be back.
0: Amazing. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about your morning.
1: Oh, yikes. <laughs> it's a great time to be sick, Aaliyah. Yeah. <laughs> So my girlfriend has this, um, uh, bacterial, uh, like sinus infection and mm-hmm. she's been coughing like crazy.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so we went to urgent care a few days ago and they, they were like, well, it's not strep. It's just a common infection or whatever. So take these medicines, stay inside. You'll be good. Mm-hmm. So I haven't caught it. Thankfully for the last like four or five days, she's had it. And last night, you know, we've been inside for like four days straight. Yeah. I've been taking care of her. So we were like, let's go get some sushi and like get out of the house for a while so we went to get sushi and they had ha- we had just made it for happy hour. There was five minutes left. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, hey, put your order in real quick. We got happy hour. We were like, oh, sweet. So I saw sake bombs on the happy hour list. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I love sake bombs. Let's do a sake bomb. So it ordered us two sake bombs. Yeah. And In the back of my mind, you know, I've made this mistake before where I've been sort of sick mm-hmm. and then drank a little bit of alcohol and it just crushes your immune system. Yeah. And then I just got full blown, you know. Sinus infection or whatever, but I was thinking it's just one sake bomb, whatever, we'll be fine.
0: Why not have two?
1: (laughs) Well, that's what happened. So the guy brings out a giant. So we bought two. So he brought two giant bottles of beer, like at least two cans worth of beer, and then a whole um, thing of sake for each of us. So there was four sake bombs worth in in both of them. Yeah. And so stupid me was like, well. I'm gonna waste it, right? <laughs> so we just started taking sake bombs. And again, I felt great. I'm thinking, oh I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna catch this infection she has. I'm good. So I had four sake bombs. We got home, you know, two hours later, and all of a sudden my nose is I can feel the post nasal yeah. drip. I start getting my skin gets hot, I start getting the shakes, and my head starts to hurt. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm having a full blown fever right now.
0: I have coronavirus
2: and
1: that's on top of Another weird thing that's happening. Yeah. Is that, uh so my top 2 wisdom teeth have both come in straight but my bottom 2 haven't yet cuz they're a little bit crooked. Yeah. The orthodontist said, "Hey, eh, let's see if they come in straight." So, I'm 30 years old and I have a wisdom tooth coming in.
0: <laughs> That's the worst, man. I like I I made that mistake when I was maybe like 24, 25 and they got impacted and uh-uh. they had to go in and and cut them out. But the dentist said, "If I had to take teeth out like this like once a year, twice a year, I would quit my job."
2: And I was oh like, are you gosh. kidding?
0: He said I had four roots on one side. Like it almost broke my jaw. I have, still have like a dent right here. Um, Wait, what does yeah.
1: impacted mean?
0: Like, I don't even know. I'm a dentist, but I'm like, It was like, like, it couldn't go through. It couldn't come through. <laughs> and they said I had too many roots. It was, it was fused to the bottom of my jaw.
1: Oh like, my gosh.
0: That's how bad it was. And, I was and
1: like, if it's crooked, that's not a good thing, I guess.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I'm crooked or not. Like I think you're probably fine, but I had four oh, fingers crossed. roots. Like you're only supposed to have two. So I had the mutant teeth, I guess. Oh (laughs) wow! So you're a real life mutant. Yes, Um, coming from I'm a wanderer, I must be. So
1: So, yeah. So the right side of my jaw's been swollen for three days. I can't close my teeth. Um, I could probably show you on the video, but let's not go there. (laughs) Giant wisdom tooth coming in back here.
0: People be. And now I have a
1: fever, so I'm I'm ready to rock and roll.
0: Yes. So for those people who are listening right now. Um, we're doing a simultaneous recording of the YouTube as well. So this will be on Aaron's channel as well. So you can watch us live, not live, it's not live. um, (laughs) you can almost live visually. Um, (laughs) but today we're going to talk about law of one. And I just recently got into book number two, um, and it took me a while because this book is is a lot to digest. And if you haven't, um, if you don't know about the Law of One and you're listening, I strongly advise you to go to our last episode that we did together, number 13, um, skip the astral projection part and go straight into the Law of One, where we talk pretty in depth about the intro aspects of the Law of One. Um, but today, um, <laughs> we're going to get into some very interesting concepts that I feel like are highly digestible, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or maybe indigestible. They're hard to understand. Um, so I know you have a couple of videos on this, but for my listeners, um, I would love to get into the concept of what is logos, mm-hmm. um, the beginning of our universe and how everything is kind of set up and the structure of why the universe works the way it does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The logos is such a fun topic to talk about because when you when you see it explained the way that Ra lays it out in the Law of One, which is a, a little bit difficult to understand um, after a first pass, at least. But once you understand the concept of it, it's just mind blowing because it it really does resonate, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there is only one mind in the universe, it must create everything in this format. It, it only makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so basically, that format is just that the the one creator, as Ra calls it, uh, creates the universe through almost like different layers or levels mm-hmm. and you know it's the only intelligence there is so it has to play all the roles right
2: mm-hmm. it
1: can't be like hey fred you play the stars stan you play the planets i'll play the galaxies right yeah so it has to do everything itself so basically it what Ra explains is that the creator takes a portion of its consciousness and puts it into the first um you could say like archetypal creation in the universe which would be like a galaxy a major galaxy. Uh, lenticular star systems of like 500 billion stars and all that. So that's, that's the first logos in the universe. Uh, logos is just the word raw uses. Um, you know, it's a biblical word. It basically means, um, I cool. think it means, uh, what is the biblical definition? It's word slash reason slash purpose. I think I
2: have no it's something idea.
1: like that. <laughs> I should know this. I have a degree in hermeneutics. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the galaxy is the first logos and the galaxy is essentially a portion of the infinite intelligence of the creator Mm -hmm. localized into one galaxy. And that, that galaxy, or you could say each galaxy Mm -hmm. sort of sets up the rules and the laws of physics and the molecular and chemical structures of the galaxy and all the evolution that's going to take place, or I guess be allowed to take place in that galaxy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, another important um, thing to cover with the logos is that what Ross stresses is that each logos is a experiment. Mm -hmm. So this is how the creator, the infinite creator, knows itself is it just sets up these experiments.
0: So every galaxy is really, really interesting because when we think of our our known world, like we think that everything is is figured out, right? Like that there is an ultimate plan and there's an ultimate destiny and everything will work out in that sense. But we're in a giant experiment. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance that things don't work out yeah totally work out but like they don't work out in the way that we think that they should and the way that americans make movies and there's always a happy ending kind of right
1: right yeah it doesn't um always work out the way the logos predicts or assumes so Mm -hmm. it's it's all just trying to give the creator different perspectives of itself and newer raw explains that the logos are sort of like they're they're Purpose their mission, their passion is to give the Creator a new angle on itself, mm-hmm. a new way of knowing itself. so each galaxy creates its own laws. each star in each galaxy is a sub logos, and each sub logos creates the laws of what planets will evolve in that solar system, you know rock, gas planets, etc, the types of evolution that will happen the um the archetypal mm-hmm. system of each star system, so like our star, the sun, we have 12 archetypes in the Zodiac.
2: zodiac. Mm-hmm.
1: But Ross says that if you, if we were able to visit other stars, for example, and somehow study their Zodiac archetypes, they would be different.
0: Interesting.
1: Which is trippy, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask that because that was like a way further down question that I had. But like, is it different on each, each other planet? Is it different for each other galaxy? Like the rules that we exist in on this one, as we continue to reincarnate, we get familiar with this logai or logos.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, lo- wa, if, I think
0: <laughs> 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 But if we were dis- if we decided, or is it possible? And this is kind of sidestep, and I want you to continue where you're at. But like mm-hmm. for a later question, can we reincarnate into other logos and then have a different reality in that one as well as a soul?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's such an interesting question because there is one passage where Don asks Ra if any any of the members of Ra's social memory complex have. Uh, wandered or traveled to incarnate in other galaxies, mm-hmm. and Ross says there are a few of our social memory complex who have wandered to distant galaxies, and he says um, what they what they discovered or what they reported back, I think he says, would baffle the mind and confound the intellect. <laughs>
0: interesting
1: because <laughs> it's like so different than what we're used to here
0: yeah see that, that it's a mindfuck right now because it is. in all that right. sense it's like all right we're we we already kind of try to break down the densities and how it works in our universe yeah we have those seven or the eighth essentially the, the densities negative.
1: are the same in every okay
0: so the densities are the same
1: yes so we the whole just, universe
0: in the whole universe okay yes so that's that's comforting um yeah. because- <laughs> I can't take if it's hard enough a to figure other out the
1: densities, man.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as the way that, then what are the differences? If that, if you were to step into another logo, so a different star system, they would have a different Zodiac or the, I mean, obviously, but like, what would make yeah. it so different?
1: Well, from what I understand the, um, you know, in the tarot deck, the tarot deck is essentially, um, uh, the archetypal mind in a card deck format, right? So each card represents different aspects of the archetypal mind, the matrix of the mind, the potentiator, et cetera. Yeah. So what Raw says is you would find different archetypes in different star systems. And I think Don asks raw, like, what's the most archetypes in any system you know of? Mm -hmm. And I think he says 22 is the highest, Mm -hmm. but, but the average is like 12. Right. So our archetypal mind actually has a lot more archetypes than the typical logos does. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, the um, yeah the zodiac would be very different. So we wouldn't find like Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, yeah. et cetera. We might find only they have five zodiac signs. Mm-hmm. They have twenty or something like that. Yeah. And it all depends on what the configuration of the planets in that solar system are, right? Because the planets kind of decide that.
0: Mm-hmm. So the logos essentially is the rule of uh, that each the rule maker. Is- Yes, of its yes. own existence. And so yeah. um in our logos we have um certain laws, then mm-hmm. uh the law of one, the law of gravity, the law of free will, um <clears throat> law of confusion?
1: Right? Yeah, law of confusion is another way of saying the law of free will.
0: Okay. Um so in that sense, like uh I started thinking a little bit different uh, deeper about what free will is and why we mm-hmm. continue to observe free will. There was a um, Oh, where is it? I have to find it. I have like a thousand questions. sitting. There.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you did your homework, but, huh?
0: Yes, I did. Um, but there was a part where they talk about um, when you heal and you learn how to heal, as you learn how to heal and know yourself, you will have the duty then to heal others. And mm-hmm. it, I had a question about that because I was like, is that not a, an infringement on free will or have you transcended <laughs> that law because you've learned how to heal yourself?
2: Yeah
1: yeah i think Ra always says the honor duty of healing or service or whatever so it's in the way that he's putting it it's sort of like well first of all he says you can't heal anyone Mm -hmm. only only the mind body spirit complex can heal themselves so the healer quote unquote just provides an opportunity or a catalyst for the the one who's going to be healed to take hold of and heal itself through Mm -hmm. so you can't infringe on someone's free will by healing them because you can't heal them unless they want to be healed
0: Right. But your duty to heal them is not an infringement of your own free will. Uh,
1: like in what sense?
0: Like, like um, if, if we have duty, I remember at some point in the first book, it talks about there's no should or something like that. Right, yeah. like, um, like everything, how we would like to do it is there's no obligation. Um, right. So in that context, it seems like there is an obligation then if you've healed yourself to then heal or help heal others.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a duty in the sense of like a religious obligation. Go and preach the gospel to every nation. It becomes your
0: mission then in that way, right?
1: Yeah. It's more like something, it's an act of service that you can offer that helps you polarize and helps you evolve uh, through the densities yourself. So service to others is the way that a positively oriented being evolves. So if you're going to keep polarizing, you're going to have to be of service in some way.
0: Right. And as you heal yourself, you recognize, obviously, that there's a law of one and we're all connected. So healing others would be a part of your agenda to heal yourself. So Precisely. Um, is that meaning, like, so when we talk about ascension or harvest, um, which we talked a bit about in the last episode, but I still don't quite grasp, um, mm-hmm. do we all have to ascend together? Um, in that sense, because there's part of part of the p- things that I've been reading is saying, like, okay, this is how you polarize and this is the evolution of your soul, but there also has to be a certain amount of people to be able to harvest. And mm-hmm. so in order for us to to move into the next uh density. Um, however, I read something recently that says, No, like we all have to ascend together. Like we all came in this soul group for this purpose and we'll continue to reincarnate till everybody gets it.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that in terms of the harvest? Yeah. Yeah, the harvest is really just about the planet itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a very real sense, each one of us, we are Mother Earth, we are the planet, in the same way that the cells in my body are me. Right. Um, so Rogers explains that 51 percent of the planet' planetary vibration needs to be uh, fourth density in order for the planet to be eligible to graduate to fourth density. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit interesting what's happening in the world right now with the coronavirus and everything. Because fourth density is the density of love, harmony, unity. Um, and we're learning that through a myriad of different lessons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think also there's sort of like forest fires in the
2: yeah.
1: you know in the wilderness. There, when a forest burns down, it's actually not a bad thing
2: yeah. for the
1: forest for the, at least from what I understand, for the most part, it's a good thing, because it allows the old generation of trees to put their soil into the dirt, and the new generation springs up. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of things in our world that are forcing us to come together and learn these lessons and extinguish old ways of thinking about the world and about each other. And I think the coronavirus has been a really interesting uh, new adaptation that Mother Earth has thrown at us to bring us into oneness. Because like every human on Earth right now is aware of the coronavirus, which creates a bit of collective consciousness, right?
0: Yeah. I was actually, I did a podcast before this one um, talking about that perspective and saying it's, it's the first time in a while that we've all looked around and been in the same boat. Like this doesn't discriminate based on race or socioeconomic value or anything like that. So like, we're all in the same thing. And then people who are poor need to have access to health as well in order to keep those who are rich (laughs) safe. So it's like we're all interdependent now and people kind of like recognizing and really realizing that, um, which has been very interesting. And, and so in that way I interpret it as earth type kind of doing like a shedding. Yeah, totally. Um, so like we're, we're essentially burning off a little bit and yeah, it comes with at loss of people's lives and things like that. But right. um, then I also have like conspiracy theory about it, but <laughs> <laughs> then there's the <laughs> like conspiracy the government and like this kind of other stuff, which we won't get into Yeah. But, um, back to logos. So, yes. um, developing the rules of the universe. So obviously one, of not obviously, but like part of that is the intelligent infinity. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your breakdown of what that is. I think I understand it, but I would love to see, let's put it in layman's terms for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is a bit tricky of a concept to break down because it's um, even Ra explains in the law one, when they ask him, it's kind of funny, actually, there's a passage where Don says, can you explain intelligent infinity and he's like, explain what intelligence means to you and then what infinity means yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, and Ra's kind of like, "Um, this is going to be extremely difficult to do within the yeah. limits of your language, but we yeah. will attempt. And he's it's like, oh like no, breaking that's down faith." You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you can just explain intelligent infinity as one concept if you want. And Ra's like, this is many times simpler than the previous <laughs> question. <laughs> but he, the way he breaks it down is that intelligent infinity is essentially like the creator in its most organic form. Mm -hmm. so it says that there is infinity and infinity is intelligent now why is infinity intelligent well because infinity contains everything right so if you contain everything that means you have all knowledge and all understanding Mm -hmm. so infinity and intelligence are kind of synonymous in a way Mm -hmm. so Ra talks a lot about um, especially with the crown chakra Mm -hmm. uh, through the act of spiritual balancing you can achieve uh crystallization and says open the gateway to intelligent infinity mm-hmm. and that basically just means having access to the powers of the creator where you can create basically anything you want mm-hmm. you can heal yourself heal others you basically become like super saiyan or something super um but what? it's a you know super saiyan is from dragon ball z
0: no <laughs> no okay wrong crowd <laughs>
1: i'm sure many of your listeners probably know
0: maybe it's like you
1: level up basically okay. yeah and uh if you think about, you know, Ross says that there's just unity,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and unity. We could picture unity like a sphere,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and from outside the sphere, right? This is kind of what what the creator is doing. Any angle you take outside the sphere to look at the sphere, you're only able to see one perspective, right? Right. The backside of the sphere is hidden from you. So, from a finite point of view, you can only have one experience of the creator at a time, mm-hmm. or one point of view at a time, and so the only way to have all perspectives would be to be in the center of the sphere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then all of a sudden you can see any angle you want just by looking and to be in the center of the sphere is essentially love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, love is the, the acknowledgement or acceptance of all points of view equally, right? Love is unconditional.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's why Ra explains that it's through the green ray heart chakra and seeing all as the creator, which Ra stresses over and over again, Seeing all as you or all as the creator is what opens or activates the green ray. Mm -hmm. And that's the first, um, I don't know what word you would use. You could say like spiritual ray Mm
0: -hmm. of
1: the seven energy centers.
0: It's real activation of some, some higher power.
1: Right. Exactly. Like the, the psychic metaphysical powers of consciousness because the the bottom three rays, red ray, orange ray, yellow ray are the primal rays, right? Right. They're what plug us into three dimensionality and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so the heart chakra is the beginning of, the metaphysical side of consciousness, the non-local side of consciousness. And then you get into wisdom, the fifth um, perception or sight and the indigo. And then the crown chakra, which is what Ross says is just kind of like a barometer of all your energy centers. Right. And when you get to a certain place of purity, that crown chakra becomes a gateway mm-hmm. to intelligent infinity. And it's kind of funny because they ask Raw a few times, like, can you explain how you open that gateway? And Ross kind of like, no, but like, wink, wink, like keep <laughs> looking in that direction, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's important stuff there.
0: Technically give him any answers he didn't ask for.
1: Yeah. He doesn't want to infringe on their free, infringe will.
0: free will. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So you already segue perfectly into the next thing I was going to ask about, cause we talk about love and, um, first we can go through all the chakras, anybody who's listening. Um, the, sh- we have the chakras, the, the root chakra, which is the first, actually let's not use numbering. Cause they didn't, uh, raw doesn't like the numbers or he didn't identify yeah
1: yeah it's, right it's right. interesting how he numbers them because he says that to them to their third from their perspective the, what's that
0: sorry third is the green ray
1: yeah because they see the red ray they see the red ray and the violet ray as like the barometers on either end of the spectrum uh-huh. so the red ray is like the sum total of the orange and yellow
2: uh-huh.
1: and then the violets is sum total of green blue and indigo
0: yeah
1: and so they're kind of like the ends of the spectrum so they call the rays one the solar plexus or yeah. sacral sacral two solar plexus three heart right. chakra right. yeah kind of interesting
0: interesting so like um just for a recap for anybody who's listening um the root chakra then we go to the sacral chakra then we go to the solar plexus then the heart ray heart ray heart chakra yeah. um then the throat then the third eye then the crown um so when they when they talk about that they talk about the the red, well, what, first let, they could talk about red ray energy transfer, which right. I want to get into about the childbirth thing. Cause that, that seemed to be a prevalent thing, but the sacral chakra and the solar plexus being those that are super primal and mm. then the heart ray being where love comes from or lo- like the access to that metaphysical spiritual aspect of love. And mm. they were saying how like mo- a lot of your peoples have not achieved this on your planet. Um, mm-hmm. or, and being able to transcend the heart rate chakra and sorry, heart rate. Yeah. Uh, activation yeah. into the indigo. No, into the blue. Yes. So let's talk about that. Cause why, why are we having such a struggle to get through that? And how do you know if you're heart rate activated and like when we're talking about the love in particular, since that's where the activation is coming from, I know raw talks a lot about love and light and how the presence of love or the the existence of love is what physically manifests light and then yeah. goes into how the chakras are. Right. I don't have a question. Just going to let you expand on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so much you could, you could cover there. Ross says that all beings in the universe, all living organisms have seven energy centers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even an ant has seven energy centers, but depending on what density level you're at, you may not have all of them activated. So right. like an animal, th- most animals, as far as I understand, only have the first three.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they don't have the heart ray, the green ray chakra open yet mm-hmm. um, because they don't have the self-awareness to have that level of perception yet. So that's why, you know, tigers eat antelopes and stuff and don't have any guilt about it because they don't, there's no awareness of love and unity at that level of density. Right. It's just the primal rays of survival and reproduction.
0: We could so, argue some humans are like that, but yeah. <laughs>
1: some Humans are like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what Ra's alluding to.
0: Yeah.
1: But. Ross says once the green ray is activated through the understanding of unity or love, Mm -hmm. then it activates the other three above that. Mm -hmm. So all the corresponding energy centers are activated as the green ray is. So Ross stresses the green ray a lot in the law of one and how it's kind of the linchpin of the energy centers. Mm -hmm. Um, Love is what opens the access to wisdom and clear vision and the gateway. Mm -hmm. So it has to begin with love, right? So if you look at, um, like, like my dog, for example, he's got the first three activated, but probably doesn't have much green ray activation.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: a dog compared to like a lizard has a lot more green ray, probably. You right. can see in their behaviors. They, they give affection.
2: Right. Um,
1: there's some semblance of love there. But because they aren't self-aware yet, they can't actually unlock that chakra the way that we can. Right. And so even, yeah, like you said, some humans, uh, maybe most humans don't really have much green reactivation because they see everyone as separate from them, as different Mm -hmm. from them. And Ra makes it very clear that seeing all as the creator is what activates green ray. Mm -hmm. And so the energy centers are basically the way the the creator has set up um, the evolution of consciousness to unfold, whereas each soul goes on its evolutionary journey, it has to slowly unlock each energy center, which is really a, a matter of perception. Mm -hmm. Uh, how you see yourself is what unlocks the energy centers and, Mm -hmm. and activates them to differing degrees. So if you don't have the understanding that everyone is just you in a different body, then your green ray is not going to be very active. And so you have a very limited amount or ability to give and and receive and feel love. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so it has to come through the recognition of unity and that's just perception, right? Mm -hmm. So what Ross says is it's perception that unlocks the energy centers and it's perception that distorts them. Okay. If that yeah. helps.
0: That's interesting. So then there is a spectrum in which we activate our green ray energy. Oh, yes. Okay. So there's not like, we unlock the level. Now we can go save the princess. There's like, <laughs> continue like chops of.
1: You could see it like a door with a big bright light behind the door. And you can just crack the door open like two millimeters and you can see a, a rim of light. And then you can keep opening it until finally it's all the way open and the light shines through unhindered. That's kind of what Ra's explaining is that to get the door all the way open, you have to have the understanding of unity.
0: And that is the only way to then tap into the rest of the activations.
1: Yeah. Your ability to tap into blue ray, indigo ray, or violet ray is directly dependent on how active your green ray is.
0: Okay. Is that something that people can lose at some point? Can they act completely open it up and then, you know, have some traumatic thing happen to them and close it back down?
1: Um, yes, but it's, it's unlikely that would happen, but yes, Ra explains that you can, um, you can reverse polarity and okay. you can go from positive to negative or vice versa. And you know, what's interesting is the negative path basically sees the green ray as useless mm-hmm. and s- basically skips over it. Mm-hmm. But like in fourth density, negative fourth density is the green ray chakra density mm-hmm. of love. The negative path distorts it to love of self. They still do get some green ray activation, but it's, it's purely for love of self. And they have to unlock the green ray the same way we do. They have to play by the same rules because the universe is neutral. There's just one rule set, but the positive plays the rules differently than the negative. So the negative unlocks the green ray by understanding that all is the creator, Mm -hmm. obviously, but the way that the negative sees it is, well, if all's me, then screw everybody else. I'm in this body. Might as well just dominate them all because just me anyways
2: yeah so there's a
1: means to the end for me mm-hmm. so let me enslave them to polarize further let me dominate others so they can still access power blue to access blue
0: can they access indigo oh yes okay they can so open it all the way here. to the crowd crown then yes and be like okay take the princess not save her right okay interesting well that's scary <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's terrifying
0: <laughs> Well, back to the positive people who are love and light over here. Um, yeah. so, okay, love, obviously, then is the central aspect of intelligent infinity. right
1: yeah, it's it's sort of the essence of intelligent infinity because intelligent infinity is unity. That's really what it is.
0: Okay. And so I think I saw in one of your videos that the the positive of sorry, the the charge of love, I guess the opposite would be wisdom. Was that your video?
1: yeah yeah the masculine and feminine
0: right the masculine and feminine of those those aspects so um when we talk about love because um, my audience is primarily female uh, <laughs> um, where the our existence in our universe and the way that our societies are kind of driven we're all kind of very much driven towards partnership in
2: mm-hmm. some type
0: of form as a means to probably the the creator trying to experience itself in some type of way yeah. um, so then we can get into sex, which. Then we talked about energy transfer, um, the greenway energy, blockages of energy, um, like the polarity of attraction and how all that works. So I want to start with attraction and then we'll go deeper um, yeah. as far as like, cause Rod does talk about in the second book about how we don't necessarily need a formula for attraction. It's just whether or not your polarities are on the opposite end, something like that.
1: Or of masculine and feminine. Yeah, Right.
0: Like just like how people are attracted to each other. Um, but then when we go further into it, I thought it was really interesting because when they talked about energy transfer, so when we talk about sex, Um, it being in the lower chakras and the sacral and then in the solar plexus Mm -hmm. and then people who have not experienced and gone into a green ray area where they've been able to have the heart activation where they can see someone as themselves, Mm -hmm. then the person who is experiencing the blockages will then act as a bit of a vampire essentially. And like trying to find a ways to dominate or find ways to steal or or contain energy. Um, we see that in a lot of our people dynamics right right now. Um, and obviously it's not like male versus female or whatever, but highly, um, I would say highly st- like charged is that men are after sex, women are after marriage kind of thing, or right, This right. polarity and the difference between the two. And so I would love to hear you expand a little bit on that as far as like the blockages that we see in our society and how that affects us in our sexual interactions with the, each other and how it, uh, how it manifests in dysfunction for us.
1: Great question raw talks so much about this topic in the law of one. And yeah, it really is kind of endlessly fascinating because you never, we never think of sex as something where you're exchanging, you know, metaphysical energy. Yeah. Um, the average human just thinks of sex as a way that I feel valuable. I feel appreciated. So like men want to conquer as many women as they can because the more women I conquer, the more valuable I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, as Ra says, primary red and orange Ray, it's just mm-hmm. like survival ego-based thinking. And what Ross says is that sex is actually incredibly sacred yeah. and powerful in its ability to uh, ascend consciousness spiritually or evolve consciousness spiritually. If the two partners involved have an equal understanding of how it works and how to exchange that energy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so you begin to get into that spiritual evolution side of of sex through the green ray, mm-hmm. and that means that two people have to genuinely love one another, not like specialness ego love, but like actually I love you as a person, and when I when we're having sex, I am making love to you. I'm giving you my love, right? Mm. That would be green ray. And that's, as you mentioned, what the vast majority of women typically are more after. Mm -hmm. And men tend to be more after just the red ray, orange ray exchange. But what Ross says is that there's almost like hidden magic hiding behind what we call sex. Mm -hmm. Because if you can get into the blue ray or indigo ray or even violet ray energy exchange, um, you basically are merging consciousness with someone and/or sharing uh, parts of your own polarization with them. So, like, let's say, for example, that um, I'm lacking in in uh, Blu-ray, which is like ability to speak truth, wisdom, understanding, and all that. And my partner is high in Blu-ray, and she wants to help activate my Blu-ray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, raw actually, there's a there is a session where raw breaks down what each energy transfer looks like, um, after sex. So basically mm-hmm. as after, if after sexual, um, reproduction, there's, there's an openness of the heart. There's an, there's a feeling of, of connectedness with the, your partner. Yeah. You know, you've exchanged green ray energy. Mm-hmm. If there is a new trust and vulnerability and openness to communication, you know, you've ex, ex, uh, exchanged blu-ray energy hmm. and so with indigo and violet. So, and so what's really interesting about it to me is that Ra talks a lot about the power of monogamy
2: mm-hmm.
1: of one where if you're just running out, exchanging sexual energy with random people, you don't have any ability to exchange green ray or above. Cause how can you love someone you don't even know? Yeah. You know, so.
0: does it cause more blockages?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Ra says that exchanging only red and orange and yellow ray sexual energy creates this endless thirst mm-hmm. where the sexual appetite can never be satisfied. And that's when you see people that are just their whole life, their whole existence is about getting the next hookup. Yeah. And they never stop to think like, how many times have I done this? Has it actually made me happy? Because they're in this sort of just lust mode and they're not able to to perceive clearly.
0: Is this a action by the Orion group uh, to facilitate porn in our apps and things like that, that are causing this addictive that keeps us in the lower chakras?
1: You know, it would not surprise me at all. Uh, Rob doesn't talk about that in Lob One, or they don't ask Ra about that. Um, I don't even know if the internet was around back then. I know,
0: when. that's what I was going to say. I was like, this was more <laughs> philosophical for us. but
1: They had like porn magazines and stuff, but nothing, nothing like what it is today. Yeah, And yeah, I mean, porn is the worst possible thing you could, especially if you're a man, you could ever do to yourself sexually because you then become dependent on red, orange, and yellow ray yeah. Stimulus to even desire or be aroused by sex. So now you have no desire for anything other than conquering women, mm-hmm. because it's seen as a way that the red and orange and yellow ray get their um, their energy from.
2: Yeah. So
1: you you know the real magic of sex is through a at least this is what Ross says is through a monogamous partnership where two mm-hmm. beings are using one another as catalyst and devotion to evolve. And what's really interesting about it is that Ra says that our logos actually set up our particular evolution to highly encourage or, because again, it's all an experiment, right? So they don't, they can't guarantee anything will happen, but to highly make it very probable that monogamy will evolve on some Mm -hmm. of these planets. Because they ask Ra about third density worlds before the veil of forgetting. Uh So third density, maybe some of your listeners don't know. We're in third density now. We are third density beings now. And so in third density, there's a veil of forgetting that basically shrouds our souls from remembering past lives and basically anything but this incarnation we have no access to. And Ra explains why that happened because in uh, other third density worlds, you know, billions of years ago or whatever, they, they didn't have a veil of forgetting. So Ra says that all third density beings saw one another as equally valid and all is the creator. So there was no monogamy. Mm-hmm. So there was only green ray energy exchanged in sex, which is good. Yeah. But the logos was like, ah, this isn't a good enough expression mm-hmm. of the creator. Cause there's still blue indigo and violet, ray That none of it's being exchanged
0: Interesting. because there's no
1: monogamy. Okay. So they're not growing together and moving through the chakras together. So they, one of the logos, he said, invented this idea. What if we shroud the soul's memories in third density, let's see what happens. And so that was at one point a new experiment. Mm-hmm. And what happened was in the absence of knowing that all is the creator, all is me, then entities started clinging together and forming mm-hmm. partnerships. And then all of a sudden sexual energy exchange became blue ray, indigo and violet ray.
0: Catalyst and for the other says that that was
1: seen as what's that
0: catalyst for the other activations.
1: Yes, because it has to come through devotion and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so Raw says that the logo saw this as like a huge success. And, um, I can't remember exactly how raw expresses it, but there's one passage where raw basically says that when it comes to, um, spiritual growth and evolution, uh, the monogamous partnership basically can't be beaten.
0: Interesting. It's like I, the
1: highest way of evolving.
0: It's so funny that you even brought that up because I have on here, as far as love, um, like I says, is there any law of one that talks about Polyamory, and do those people mm-hmm. have more activations because they're able to love more than one person?
1: Do they have more activation of green ray?
0: Yeah. Let me see. Um, yeah. So like, right are not more talk evolved about... souls in that case or not?
1: Yeah. So that's a kind of a, a bit of a taboo topic right now, I think, right. because in the spiritual community there is a growing um,
0: fluidity movement,
1: you could say. Yeah. People saying, Oh, it's all about free love. That's the highest way there is just everyone's we're all God. Let's just, you know, share love equally. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But to pretend like that's the highest state of achievement sexually is according to Ra, not true. Not the case at all. Um, devotion to one being is the most disciplined advanced level of consciousness one can attain where as Ra says, the partner, your partner becomes your guru and you become their guru. And Essentially in, in a devoted partnership, whatever your partner triggers in you, when you know, when you treat them as your guru and you're devoted to them, you just look at yourself and say, okay, what in me needs to be healed
2: Mm -hmm.
1: versus pointing the finger at them. So yeah, a lot of monogamy, um, or partnerships in our world are horribly dysfunctional and don't work. Right. That's also because they have the potential to be basically the highest mode of spiritual acceleration there is. Yeah. Because it doesn't take any discipline to run around and have sex with whoever you want. Um, that's kind of what the sexual ego loves, right? Yeah. But to devote yourself to one person as your form of spiritual mastery um, takes a lot a lot more mastery of self to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like a this is the best way, you should do it this way at all. Right. Ra just explains that if you're really looking for next level spiritual growth, uh, the monogamous partnership is kind of where it's at.
0: Interesting. And just to like reiterate, this is what Ross saying, this is not our opinion uh, right? <laughs> um, of studiers of the law of one. How yeah. does dysfunction show up in women or um, feminine in the feminine in the lower, in the red, um, orange, and yellow? Like, cause you'd explained how it, it manifests as in a man um, dominating things like that. How does it manifest in a woman?
1: I think it's kind of the same in the sense that basically red, orange, and yellow ray sexual energy is, um, looked at in a, it's a primal form of energy. Mm -hmm. So in evolution or in nature, you you see animals have to reproduce to keep their species going, to keep their genetics going. Yeah. So there's some kind of like, um, it's, it's almost like a selfish based need for sex. Mm -hmm. It's purely so that I can, gain validation or keep my species going or whatever. Yeah. And so I think it, it kind of plays out the same way in both genders, but, um, but a bit of a difference. So like with, with women, I think if there's no green ray activation and they're stuck in the bottom three, it, it manifests as like, I'm only as valuable as men want me. Uh, so I need to prove I'm valuable by letting men, by sleeping with men who want me, because that makes me feel valuable. Yeah. And so basically that's a lack of green ray, right? Cause there's no self love yeah, no there.
0: Self love, Right. And the same
1: is true for men, but it's just the opposite of they want to do the conquering to feel valuable.
0: Right, right. Because there's not a lot of women, unless they are a masculine core, that feel that dominating nature. Um, Right,
1: exactly. Because the feminine is receptive.
0: Right, receiving. Interesting. I find this very, like, I mean, as much as we can get super intellectual about this, I feel it's very practical in our current dating world as i'm experiencing that Mm now um so like the the aspect (laughs) of that when we talk about um just in general how we are a lot of us are seeking that green ray activation and wanting to have this love aspect but we have perhaps a dysfunctional way of looking at that or dysfunctional way of receiving that um and Mm -hmm. the way that our world like kind of looks at i guess looks at love in general anyway um so moving on to the next aspect because they talk about um i want to talk about birth and homosexuality mm-hmm. he does talk about that quite a bit um and saying that people who are what did it, he said something like people who have had inner incarnations where 65 percent of it was of the opposite sex might come into this incarnation with a bias towards that particular orientation because of the right thinking about our orient our urban areas or something about the confusion of energies. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, I think it's sort of like a spiritual mass can be uh, gained after a certain number of incarnations. A spiritual had- mass? Spiritual mass. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so like, if you look at the soul, you know, my, uh, Ra explains it, that we are a mind-body-spirit complex. Mm-hmm. Um, mind and soul, you could say, are the same. Basically, our spirits are what we are, And our spirits, um, go through incarnations to mold and fasten and grow and evolve these souls. Mm -hmm. The soul is the part that, that gets molded by incarnational experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's almost like a work of art. You could look at it Mm -hmm. as each spirit's creating and they're, they're looking at their work of art saying, okay, so my soul's really evolved in wisdom, but it needs more self love. So let me choose an incarnation like this or that, that will, that will learn self love. Mm-hmm. So, in that same vein, if let's say uh, a certain spirit really enjoys being a female for many lifetimes in a row, then their vibration has taken a lot of feminine energy into it. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm good on the feminine. I need to start doing some masculine uh, incarnations to gain that aspect of my evolution. Mm-hmm. And so Ra says, not always, but it can end up being um, where someone's born as a homosexual or transgender. And these are all seen as new. Uh, explorations of the creator it's all equally valid it's all totally great um but it's not something that like has to happen like every soul has to incarnate as a homosexual at some point it doesn't work like that yeah. but it can be something that's chosen or even kind of happens without the intended purpose of it mm-hmm. but it gives a lot of you know as you can imagine being homosexual would give you a lot of contrast to deal with right. for your soul's evolution. so right. it kind of works in that sense
0: depending on the time period you're born in Right. Because unfortunately I was born very straight and I wish that I wasn't. (laughs) 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 So contrast and every, You didn't choose
1: to be straight. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's not how it works. Um, Yeah. So that's, it can be a touchy topic because people have said that as the more that we uh, have incarnated or as our time is going by, that there are more and more people who are, um, gender fluid who are uh, transsexual who are homosexual right. which is wonderful expression of the, mm-hmm. the you know the creator experiencing itself and giving us so many different new perspectives of like you were talking about the sphere and how you were able to see from all these different perspectives right right totally really, really beautiful um and kind of cool to see that that's perhaps why it's accelerating or we're getting more mm-hmm. of that now or perhaps it was always that way we're just now ha- having more exposure to it
1: well, I think it, I think it probably is happening more, and I think that that might be happening because we're moving we've moved into fourth density,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which means there has to be the understanding of unity for our collective okay. consciousness to evolve, and so I think that you know Mother Gaia, the our sub logos, Mother Earth, is throwing a lot of new wrinkles at us to force us into a collective consciousness of unity and oneness. And we we're seeing that in our world today in, in a myriad of forms. Yeah. Social justice, black lives matter, transgender, homosexuality. I mean, when I was born, gay people couldn't get married.
2: Yeah.
1: It's crazy, right? Yeah. But now we have, you know, people that are homosexual, transgender, gender fluid. They force the rest of the world to step their game up and be loving and accepting because it used to be okay to, to be hateful towards those people groups. When I was like right. really young, like you could use the F a G word if you wanted to. And now that word's like the N word, right? You can't yeah. say that word. And that's a very good thing for our collective evolution because we're realizing we can't marginalize anyone. We're all the same. Ultimately we're all in this together and that is forcing our collective consciousness into a fourth density vibration
0: just so interesting because i had this discussion with someone about how the construct of gender is now more flexible than the construct of race because if you think about um right
1: you know,
0: for what did you say?
1: Yeah, i just said yeah
2: totally oh yeah
0: um caitlin jenner uh for instance uh woman of the year you know people don't want to mm-hmm. call her out of her name and things like that and we're having respect to the way that she chooses to identify but rachel dolezal who, um, I don't know if you know her, um, mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh. yeah, you know, yeah. yeah.
0: who decided she wanted to be black and everybody threw yeah. a pitch fit about it. And I, for me as a black woman, I was like, let her be black. Like it's, <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> but, but the construct of race was so much stronger because it was about, it's more about the struggles that we've kind of incurred and like not being able, I can't change, I can straighten my hair and I can do all these things, but people will still see me as black in that sense, like race is a stronger social construct of divisiveness, even though it's more flexible than gender actually is because Caitlin will never have ovaries. So it's, it's it's dysfunctional. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. very, very interesting how that's not as flexible. But anyway, as we're one thing at a time, right? Like we're all trying to move (laughs) forward and unify and mother guy is figuring it out. So, um,
1: yeah, there's, there's a bit of a balancing that needs to happen because when there's, when there's a new development, like, all the social justice stuff that's been happening, which is yeah. really good. The pendulum will swing too right. far to that side before it balances back. And so you have a lot of the ways that that's gotten way too extreme is people, you know, marginalizing, well, now it's bad to be a white person and white people are bad and yeah. things of that nature. It's like, no, 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 you're missing the point still. We're all yeah. equally valid. So you can't, yeah. you can't make one group more accepted by hating another group right. or with, with uh, gender. Right. Like it's not cool to be a be straight. It's cool to be um, bisexual or trans or whatever. It's like no, whatever you are is cool, right? Right. Like there's (laughs) nothing is more valid than anything else.
0: Right, exactly, and that's the portion of us activating our unity in that sense of being accepted. Yes, you're um. It's forcing us
2: to see that.
0: Yeah. Your girlfriend said something recently on your Heal Thyself podcast where she was talking about self-love and how self-love isn't, I'm going to go do this thing and make myself feel better about this thing or whatever. It's literally just sitting in whatever it is that we we are feeling in that moment. And I I love that because in that sense, we can bring that into this topic. Like it's loving everybody exactly where they're at.
1: Yes. If you can love yourself exactly where you're at with whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, you can just accept that this is okay to feel this. Mm -hmm. then uh, you can do it with everybody else too.
0: Yeah. So that brings me to bias, bias, um, bias balancing, like reprogramming. Mm. So now that we kind of talked Mm -hmm. a little bit about like how, if you had incurred so many different lifetimes, you might have some kind of preference towards a certain orientation, perhaps Um, he talks about like how developing a bias um, and then having to reprogram that through all of your like the lifetimes that you have, or the lessons, or the catalysts that you choose in order to reprogram that. So, what's an example right. of that? Like like developing a bias, and what's an example of the way that the universe or the logos provides for us to be able to rebalance
1: or reprogram? Great question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in your evolution through your incarnations, especially if there's you know if you get involved karmically in some way, you can you can distort your vibration. In a way that the spirit's like, man, I got to get this distortion out of my vibration so I can keep evolving.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you have a bias towards um, like the racism or something, mm-hmm. then uh, the because this all happens accidentally, right? Like each incarnation is also an experiment, just like every Logos is. Mm-hmm. And there's what Ross says is there's certain parameters set up. There's um,
0: visible guides.
1: Yeah, there's like trajectories, and like I'm gonna give myself the best shot to learn this lesson, but I I don't know what's gonna happen, right? You have right. to let the chips fall where they may. So through that experimentation, sometimes we pick up distortions through incarnations, like racism or whatever. And so the spirit's like, all right, well I got to get rid of that. If it's a negative being, it's gonna say, Oh, great, I can keep this one. This is powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. But a
1: positive being is gonna say, I need to get rid of this. So let me choose an incarnation where I, um. Uh, let's see, I adopt a, a black child or, or something like that, right? It's going to force me to get rid of that distortion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So incarnations are used like that um, to purify and crystallize the, the consciousness and the vibration so that it can keep ascending up the densities.
0: So for the so entire like soul stuck... or within one incarnation? Say again? For an entire soul's uh, existence or within one incarnation? Like if you developed a bias in this lifetime towards racism, you would later then develop or decide to adopt a black child, or would it be that you were racist in as few several other lifetimes and you came in as black in this lifetime or something like that, or is it both?
1: Right. Yeah. The latter. Okay. When you're in an incarnation, you can't program or change anything that's happening, especially in third density, you're already under the veil and everything. So they do their best job in conjunction with the higher self, you know, to figure out what's the best shot I can have at learning this lesson. And this is why, as Ra explains, a lot of souls kind of bite off more than they can more than they can chew because they're really eager to get rid of that racism. Mm-hmm. And so they choose an incarnation that's a bit too intense mm-hmm. and um, maybe that creates new distortions. So it's a very fine balancing act and there's a lot of consideration taken into what um, variables will be involved in that incarnation.
0: Does that then... It, this is so interesting, but is if you bite off more than you can chew, have you already determined ahead of time exit points in which you would leave this incarnation in order to start over to, to do that mission? Because Caller Rucker Not, talks about how she had a, an instance when she was 13 with a kidney right, failure right, or something NDEs. like that. And she came in and they were like, well, you kind of have these two things you want to do. Do you want to do two lives or do you want to just come in and try and do all of them in this one?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. As far as I know, you can't like choose actual exit points, okay. but you can set up high possibilities of them. It, the best way to look at it is through astrology. If you're mm-hmm. familiar at all with astrology, if you go to an astrologer, they'll look at your current transits and say, okay, you've got Neptune in the eighth house. And this means this and that. And, oh, it looks like you may have some financial crisis coming this year. Right. Mm-hmm. So none of what they're saying is a guarantee. Right. They're not predicting your future, but they're letting you know that based on the planetary configuration, these energies are coming into your life, into your nexus, and they're going to influence these types of probabilities. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how incarnations are. Is like, I think that that as souls, we probably look at the actual zodiac of the person we're incarnating as. So I want an entity that has a lot of um, passion for this and that. So let's get Aries or Mars in this house, you know, they look at the planetary configuration to decide what archetypal mind they want. And then from there, it's like, how is that going to unfold in their lifetime
0: mm-hmm. and what
1: possibilities are going to be coming my way? And it's just sort of a gamble at that
0: point. So they choose in what time that they're born in order to absorb the archetypal energies that follow in that logo. Yes. So
1: yeah, because the archetypal mind is like the structure of our our solar system. So uh-huh. everyone obeys the archetypal mind in this solar system.
0: Interesting. So then if you're a soul who has not incarnated yet and you decide, I want to come in during this time, during this moment of whatever this archetypal energy is going to be, is this how you choose your parents? Is this how you choose when you're going to come in? When we talked earlier about the the blockages and the rays, and we talked about red ray, I know in there they talk about childbirth and that some people who are wanderers or people who have come in with higher um, aversions to karmic, like don't want to entangle themselves karmically, will be have yeah. a, more of an aversion to marriage or to having children. And so uh, right. I think that the questioner asked something about like, okay, so in in regards to childbirth, is it completely random? And Ross says, well, for those who are not using other apparatuses to prevent themselves from being fertilized, then yes, it is. So there's no like like, like, Oh, this is, this is the child I'm meant to have, or this is the soul that I'm meant to have. It's, it's random. Is it just like a pathway and an opening that it's like, all right, I want this particular lesson, this particular mind archetypically, and then I will Mm -hmm. choose who's got an opening during that time. Do we know that those yeah. openings are coming ahead of time? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what Ross talking about in terms of it being random is the physical genetics. Okay. Right. Like it's the genetics are always randomized based on the genetics of the parents and all that. Okay. But on this side of the veil, you could say we're in a time space reality where mm-hmm. time is the dominant force. Right. And space is infinite. On the other side of the veil, it's space time. Mm -hmm. which means that time is infinite and space is the primary uh, mover. Mm -hmm. So from that dimension, it's like a monopoly board where you can see all the pieces at once versus Mm -hmm. if you're a character on the monopoly board in time space, you're just hopping from square to square to square. You Mm -hmm. can't see what's coming up ahead or behind you, right? You're just in the moment. So from that dimension, it works, right?
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: So they see what's coming available. They see all the possibilities and they can make a, a best guess decision on what's going to be most suitable to what I'm trying to learn.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Which includes parents and all that too, for sure.
0: Okay. So then they're choosing those people who are, Mm -hmm. are they already a part of their soul family? Do you get someone that you're like, actually I just want to want to switch soul families right now. Or did Mm -hmm. they say anything about that? The choice
1: for the most part? Yeah. I mean, each social memory complex is an entire planetary civilization. And so planet Earth at, um, you know, from space time, you have access to all times that are available. So like Roth says in a couple of passages, um, we are in the sixth dimension. Thus, we are able to be with you at any time. Mm -hmm. So time is just as as easily manipulated as space in this life. I can walk from here to the tree outside or whatever. And that takes time for me to get there. Space is the primary mover. So if you flip that, You see, it's the same on that end. It's they can move to any time in space that they want, just Mm -hmm. like I can walk down the street. So if I want to go back 2,000 years, I can just go to the 2,000-year mark and see it happening. And Ra explains that kind of like cities on Earth. He says, consider your cities on Earth right now where in Tokyo and Beijing and New York and Canada, there's there's people and, and beings hustling and bustling all around, and it's all happening at the same exact time. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. but at different space locations on the planet right. in the same way, all times are happening simultaneously, just like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: from the space time reality does mm-hmm. that make sense
0: yeah, so do they have any limitations in space the way that we have limitations in time
1: um yeah, I mean they would they would have the same types of limitations um, that's why they can't really you you can't evolve your soul from that side because you need mm-hmm. the linear time space incarnation mm-hmm. to do that to learn sequentially and all of that but from that side, there's things you can't do here, so right. it's like a yin and yang type of thing the The spirit plays on both sides to create its evolution
0: so in that way, we get in this very um interesting concept of you know uh, interdimensionality or um like everything's happening at the same time, so our past lives could be happening yes. right now and we're having parallel lives instead they're of they're happening right now they're happening right now, yes. <laughs> So I had yes. a very interesting, um, situation, uh, when I went to Bali and, um, I was really for whatever, I've always been super hyper scared of motorcycles or any two wheel by, by, I don't know, um, by sickle. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can yeah. ride a regular bicycle, but no motorbikes or anything like that. So I had, um, I'm not phobic about anything. Like I, I jump off of, you know, like bungee jump or, you know, like kind of like jump out of a plane or like things don't scare me, roller coasters, whatever. But I was terrified of getting on the back of the scooter and wow. like in Bali, cause everybody drives scooters the whole time or whatever. So I'm sitting yeah, here yeah. every time I have to get on the back of a scooter and contemplate my life. And like, I'm like, what is my reaction? Why am I so, so nervous about what's happening? And why am I and so much stress response about it? Um, so I meditated and I asked my guides like, Hey, can you show me what's going on here? Cause I can't enjoy my experience here if I can't drive a scooter. And so, um, I had this dream and I saw it so clearly as if it was happening in that moment that I was on the back of a scooter or like a motorcycle with someone I just absolutely loved, like love of my fucking life. And we we're holding, and we're just having this really beautiful moment. And um, he must have looked down or something, and this car pulls in front of us and stops short. So we smash right into the back of it and die. Wow. And I felt it like I felt the, the bones crushing in my face. And I screamed, I jumped out of the bed, I, like I woke up and I was screaming and I was crying and I felt the loss of losing this love and losing my own life. And it yeah. was, it was, it was completely and utterly visceral, but wow. I got out of the bed and I was like, okay. Um, and my guide said something, and she's kind of funny, but she was like, see, you can't die in both lives of the same thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances?
0: Oh, on that scooter, girl. right. So I got on the scooter. And I was fine, but I was able to integrate what seemed to have been something parallel that I was having a fear about that was seem- seemingly seemingly yeah. around. So it was, what it was a great was example. Very, very cool. <sighs> anyway. So now we can get into death. It's like this, like this whole episode, oh. guys, this is just vibing. Like all of the segues <laughs> are working the way that I wanted them to, which is lovely. Um,
1: we're in the flow.
0: We're in the flow. I meditated before this and I was like, what does the collective need here right now? Like, just let it happen. Um, okay, so death. Um, for, let's just talk about coronavirus because this is what's on everybody's mind. There is no death. You're sick. <laughs> um, so we're, de- we're dealing with that. I wanted to go into as far as what the law of one talks about when they talk about disease and how disease is in the second density. And right. the conclusion that I made, being someone who is... <clears throat> almost vegan um is that most of the pandemic- i'm almost vegan too are you what do you what are you, yeah. what are you uh flexible on eggs eggs oh, i can't eat eggs oh i i'm, I I'm still eating fish
1: oh good for you i would eat fish if it didn't make me puke
0: okay so that's the deal like for me eggs make me puke i cannot metabolize the yolk
1: oh okay interesting it's awful so when well, you eat anyway. the fish i'll eat the eggs okay <laughs>
0: um, so with that they were talking about how like disease um, I was doing some research about just pandemics and stuff like that because that's what's on our mind mm-hmm. and how most almost all of them have come out of us eating animals in some kind of way and then I started to think about right. raw and how they talk about disease in the second density and and how it operates and thinking that the way that we do things on in this planet is the enslavement of animals we feel we have dominion over them and so in this right. way us ingesting them, which are second density beings are then ingesting a form of second density entity that we are introducing into third density. Mm -hmm. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He has a interesting way of putting that. He says something like your, your second density um, microbial companions offer you many lessons essentially through the viruses and diseases. Um, Raw looks at disease and illness as a, as catalyst as Mm -hmm. everything is. Catalyst for growth, opportunity to look at yourself and say, "What what distortions must I be carrying that mm-hmm. I was able to get this disease in my body?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're so kind of an, serving a means us. A reflection.
0: In that way. Say again. It's a means of reflection.
1: Yeah, it's a means of reflection.
0: So in our human body, so
1: collectively, that's what's happening with coronavirus, right? We're mm-hmm. our collective is doing a lot of reflecting right now, and it's forcing us to think about a lot of things we wouldn't think about any other way. Right. So. You know, as quote unquote bad as the coronavirus might be, you see from the universe's point of view, there is no bad.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no
1: positive or negative. Everything serves its purpose and plays its function. Yeah. And we can see a lot of quote unquote good that is and is going to come out of this virus as well, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, people even doing this self-quarantining, like having to stay at home, it's like, all right, well, like now is the time to create your course. <laughs> now is the time yeah, to exactly. write that book. Like now you've got all this time on your
1: work. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like I have, um, one of my weddings got canceled, um, that I was shooting, like it was going to be in Georgia and they'd like all the cancellation and the plans and everything. Everybody's like, we're not going. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is crazy. And then, you know, other work commitments and things like that. So we're starting to see the effects of what that looks like, but also like there could be very positive effects to it as well. Um, oh, I'm almost quite sure that there's going to be a lot of babies born in about nine months, but, um,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> boomer joke. Um, so anyway, I want to get into so like because we're in disease we're talking about like this and and the fear of that the purpose of healing is twofold now because we're doing shadow work of healing our souls energetically vibrationally um but also healing our bodies. So does does Ra talk about that at all about the integration of how it like the healing of our spirit and the healing of our minds also contribute to a physical health?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The way Ra explains the mind body spirit complex is that um so, the spirit is the original essence, but it's formless. And so, it needs a mind or a soul mm-hmm. to be its activating agent. So, we can have some kind of expression in reality. But then, the mind or soul needs a body to express and be plugged into a 3D world. So, each one is the activating agent of the previous one.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, it's all connected, it's all simultaneous, and you can't separate the three apart. They're all one thing, which is why Ra refers to everyone as a mind-body-spirit complex. True. So Ra says that all sickness is of the mind, essentially. Mm -hmm. It all begins and originates in the mind and trickles down from there, and the body just responds to the mind. Mm -hmm. The body just acts out the mind in the same way that the mind acts out the spirit. So if you have distortions in your mind, biases, basically negative core beliefs about yourself, about reality, any perceptual distortion of the mind – will create distortions in the energy body in the seven chakras based on which chakra is closed or distorted. And that distorted energy that the chakras spit out into the body will have to manifest as some form of illness or disease at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about a virus, then are you saying that we could prevent ourselves from getting sick by healing these distortions that we have in our mind?
1: Oh yes. Uh, That's exactly what raw teaches, (laughs) but that is easier said than done.
0: Right. Right. Um, so those who are listening, like, uh, now that we have time to sit at home and listen, what is, what does raw say speak about that as far as what, what do we need to do to heal? I also had this question side note. That's like, why is it necessary to heal? And, in the sense of the intelligent infinity and our process of evolution seems to be this logos that drives us to continue to, um, evolve. But in Mm -hmm. this, in the situation of healing, I even had the question of like, why continue to subject us to like traumas and, and disease and this and that. If like we could, we could ultimately then experience, um, a faster evolution without these, I don't know, like, I mean, essentially they're catalysts. I'm answering my own question, but in that sense, yeah. people might be thinking, like, what is the point? Like, if we're going to be, like, if we have these exit points and we're going to die anyway, we're going to keep reincarnating if we all have to sin together. And we're not going to make it to the next one until we all do this. Like, what's the point of me having to go through all this shit and heal? And if it's just me as a soul in relation to everybody else that we're needing to, in order to harvest. Does it make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. I know the
0: answer okay. to it, but I think, like, that was, that was a, a good question that I was boiling on.
1: That's a loaded one. It is. (laughs) In terms of the social memory complex, you don't have to, we don't have to all ascend at the same exact time. Yeah. Basically souls merge together when they're ready to. So it's like, it becomes a new motivation to evolve because if everyone else is able to join consciousness and merge into the memory complex and you're left out, you're like, man, I got to work on myself and get to the point where I can merge. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't merge unless your vibration is harmonious. So you've got to get yourself on that level, basically. Mm-hmm. And so this is just the nature of the evolution of consciousness is that, you know, there's just the unity, right? The, mm-hmm. of the sphere, as we talked about earlier, and that sphere, the first question it ever asked was, you know, what am I,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who am I? And all it knew about itself is I am. But when it asked the question, what can I am be? What can that look like? The, the next thing that happened was the second dimension was created, okay. which is positive and negative. So the unity displaced its energy into two polarities. Mm-hmm. And then all of physical reality now is just the interplay of positive and negative. Mm-hmm. And so through those polarities, it gets the friction or the contrast to know itself. Mm-hmm. So if we look at a vibration, right? A wave form, up, down, up, down, up, down. This is the nature of evolution. Yeah. Is what goes up must come down, what goes down must come up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And transcendence of the of duality is not clinging to the positive and shunning the negative, right. but it's neutrality, which actually is love Because love is mm-hmm. equally accepting of both polarities. It doesn't cling to the light and push away the dark. It says both of you are equally valid. The darkness exists so that we can know the light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in that way, darkness is equally valid, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: We have to have the darkness.
0: I fucking love this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in your own life though, look at your own life. You have the, external experiences we go through, interactions with people and life and all of that. And those circumstances and experiences we have, that's the outward movement. Mm -hmm. It brings up certain energies in us. We get triggered. We go through challenges. We have to look within ourselves to find who we are. And the external then forces us to go inward, doesn't it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: That's the negative, the inward movement. Yeah. So we go inward to look at ourselves and say, who am I? What do I want to become? How do negative I want to see by
0: charge, self? not negative by concept, right? Yes.
1: That's negative right. meaning inward uh, yep. towards itself, okay. positive meaning outward into manifestation. So we That's learn right. about who we are through those experiences. Then we go back outward again mm-hmm. into life. And then life gives us new experiences that teach us things. We go back inward and it's this constant vibration of, Positive, negative, positive, negative, and that's how consciousness evolves. Right. So we need to have the friction; otherwise, the one infinite creator just is itself, but it has no clue what that is.
0: Right. So does a new so soul learning, come always. in, like without any? I'm trying to ask this: like, if if there's a new soul that comes in, what is its charge? It comes in new without any distortions of anything. I'd like to learn X, Y, Z, but if it's already in a pure state, um, what does it have to overcome?
1: Well, like the way Ra explains it is that you don't actually get any choice over your incarnations until you reach third density, which is self-awareness. Okay. I think it's even a certain stage in third density where you're actually able to say, okay, I get it. I'm a self-aware soul. I'm on a journey. I'm learning through incarnation. So now let me start choosing my own lessons. Up to that point, the higher self, which is just you from the future, is just throwing you back into manifestation. Yeah. You know, plant, plant, bug, bug, animal, 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 yeah. dog, human. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Eventually you get self-awareness and now you can run the show from that point.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Cause that, then that would mean there's no pure souls that come into third density. I mean, by pure, I mean like new, like you would come in as a rock or something.
1: No. Yeah. No. You start off in first density, which is right. rock, water, fire, air.
0: That makes sense. Well, this is a good place to end. I think we did a nice little circle. <laughs> Full circle, huh? Um, I love it. I love that just the idea, like I really enjoy the raw material because it's probably the first material that's super resonated with me as far as the way that spirituality works in a very intellectual format. Um, Even your explanation of the Zodiac seems very scientific and and everybody kind of interprets Mm -hmm. this as like, oh, this is like you know, woo shit. And it's like, no, it's like, actually there's so much research that goes into that. But, um, even right. listening to some, I was listening to some of the, um, transmissions and thinking like, there's no fucking way she'd be able to come up with this, like on her own, oh
2: like, my gosh. Without,
0: like channeling it. I was like, it's, it's so intense. It's so intense. I read the book. It's, probably it's so three intense.
1: Times. You've read it three times.
0: Yeah. Like, well, I was listening to it over and over and oh, over. Yeah, and yeah. I was like preparing for this interview. This is the only you're the only person I have to study
2: before. <laughs> I'm like, my hey, apologies. Good
0: questions. No, but like I mean, this 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 information is so interesting, and I think my audience really liked it. Like, I they responded really well to the first episode. But how it, I love bringing in how it applies to our life today. Right. right. And especially when we talk about like sex and dating and things like that, and how a lot of people are stuck in those those areas. How can we heal and start to get to our green ray so we can activate and become more evolved in that sense.
2: So
0: share that data in that way. I think this is brilliant. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Please tell everybody how they can find you.
1: Yeah, easy. Uh, Same link everywhere. So Aaron Abke at Instagram, youtube.com slash Aaron Abke and AaronAbke.com.
0: Please check out all of his videos on YouTube that talk about the law of one. If you want to know more about this and then go to our previous episode, number 13 about astral projection and the law of one. So uh, we thank you for being on the show and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you, Leah. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching. Find me at www thelovelyaliyah.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyaliyah for daily content and inspiration.